1: It was a blast. Amen. Acts chapter 4 and uh, beginning at verse number 19. But Peter and John answered and saith unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak. Everybody say, we cannot cannot but speak. speak. Now say this, the things which we have seen. and heard heard. we cannot speak but the things which we have seen and we have heard Peter and John were being threatened because the lame man had been healed and they didn't like what was happening but Peter and John said we can't but speak but the things which we have seen and we have heard they never backed down from the message they never backed down from the work of God in their life and in the life of others they didn't apologize for it they were bold as lions as a matter of fact the Bible said that they were beaten after this and they walked away dancing and rejoicing that the Lord had counted them worthy to suffer for the gospel's sake amen but but the Bible said they stood up boldly Matter of fact, later on in chapter 4, they have a prayer meeting. And the Bible says they were praying for one thing, boldness. And the Bible said the foundations of the building begin to shake as they begin to pray. The whole building begin to shake as they were baptized with boldness. I I believe that's what we need in 2023. We need a baptism of boldness to live this apostle. Message out loud, Amen. We ought not be ashamed of Acts two thirty eight. We ought not be ashamed that we come to church and worship on Sundays and on Tuesdays and have prayer on Thursday, Amen. And I want to I want to preach to you this morning, and this this kind of goes along the lines of what uh, we're starting in our uh, in our Bible study series, Amen. I want to preach to you kind of a motto of the church. Kind of our, our theme, our, our, uh, our crest, if you would, our banner, that you, you can't live for Christ in a shadow. You can't just do it on the weekends. Being a true believer requires a daily devotion to following after Jesus, amen? Not just when we feel like it or, or we're on the highs, but at all times. If anybody had a reason to back up on their message, it would have been the early church, but they didn't. As a matter of fact, the harder the pressure got, the more they doubled down and they they just kept living it with boldness, amen. I wanna preach to you this morning with the help of the Lord. I wanna preach the theme of the apostolic church, unapologetically apostolic. We are unapologetically apostolic. Not ashamed of being apostolic not ashamed of being born again of the water and of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, I am unapologetically apostolic. Tell somebody else, I'm apostolic. From the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, tell them I'm water baptized in his name, filled with the Holy Ghost and living after the word of God. Amen. Shout it with me again. I am unapologetically apostolic. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the moving of your spirit in this house already. I thank you, Lord, for the worship, for the blessings that we've already experienced. And I pray, Lord, right now, would you touch me to preach your word without fear or favor, to preach your word with boldness, to preach it in season. Lord, that it would be received in even that same manner. Lord, let there be a rallying cry to the true children of the Most High God. Lord, to live this thing out loud and to live it in the beauty that you called us to walk in. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Can we just give the Lord another hand clap of praise. (laughs) Hallelujah. Shout it one more time. I I am unapologetically apostolic. apostolic. Amen, you can be seated. This is how God has designed his people to live, out loud, not in secret. It almost seems like the church switched places about 10 or 15 years ago. The homosexual community came out of the closet and the church went into it. They live their perversions with such boldness, right. and modern-day Christians try to live their disciplines of the Word of God in secret, because we've been told that it's offensive. Right. Come on. Come on. We've been told it's offensive, to, and we haven't been told that by secular people. We've been told that by professing Christian people. Right. Right. We don't, don't say that. That will offend people, right. even standing here in, in an apostolic church this morning. I can even feel it. Amen. There are people tensing up right now. I don't know that we should take a talk. This is the place it should be talked about. If we don't talk about it from here, if we don't preach it from the pulpit, it'll be accepted here in the church. And if it's accepted here, it'll be accepted there. Amen. We, we in, in, in the Western Christian church, Amen. We have allowed the culture to dictate to the church. Amen. What is acceptable and unacceptable, rather than it being the other way around? It should be the church telling the culture: this is unacceptable, and this is what is right in the sight of God. I'm not talking about a theocracy. I'm talking about living our faith unapologetically and unashamed. Amen. We. We ought not be ashamed to say that we believe in God. We ought not be ashamed to say we don't want the perversion of this world influencing our children. That shouldn't even be controversial to a Christian. To a Christian, they ought to stand and say, I believe in the word of God unapologetically. I stand on the word of God. You have got to stop. Well I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. I know some of you already went on 4th of July vacation this morning, but I'm I'm, I'm, going to preach this morning. We've been told to sit down and be quiet. We've been told that this is offensive. We've been told you have got to stop right now caring what somebody's going to label you as. Did you hear me? We've got to stop being afraid of what the world is going to say when we take a stand for the word of God. They've already lobbed every every verbal attack that they can against people who believe the Bible. You've got to stand up and say, I don't care what names you call me. I'm rubber, you're glue. What you say about me bounces off of me and Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. you got to stop being afraid. Well, if I say that, they're going to instantly believe. They're going to call me a, a, a homophobe or transphobe or, or an, you know, a, a bigot or prejudiced or racist. you gotta, you got to quit caring what they think. If they call me that and I'm standing on the word of God, that's their problem, not mine. We have been kowtowed for too long. We have been backed down so afraid of what somebody might call us and that other people will believe it. Call me what you want to, but ask the people who know me. They'll say it's the opposite of what you call me. They've used these terms until they have no more value of meaning anymore. Don't be afraid of it. You just need to know if you take a stand for the word of God, there's going to be opposition. The church of the living God was born in the fire, not in the living room on a couch. The church of the living God was built and born in opposition and in the fires of persecution. They were not built holding hands with demonic lifestyles and saying, let's all just get along. Amen. The church of the living God was not born with steeples and cathedrals and packed out worship experiences with great music and great town. The church of the living God was born preaching the gospel and preaching the word of God, amen, while wow, they were being fed the lions and burnt at the stake. And I want to tell you, I want to stand with the apostles. I want to stand with the early church and say I'm gonna live what God has called us to live without any shame, without any fear, without any remorse. I hope you hear me this morning. I'm not backing down. You don't need to back down from this. You need to get a boldness in you that says, I believe this. We've been given a false choice We've been given a false choice that says if we preach like this, if we talk like this, if we believe like this, then we hate people. That's a false choice. We love people, and that's the reason why we preach like this. We preach to let them know that there's an eternity without God that you're going to face. We love you enough to tell you the truth. Anybody else believe that this morning? Amen, we don't, hate the, we don't hate the people, we hate the sin. I can disagree with a lifestyle choice and still love them. Amen. They painted that box, we didn't paint that box. We can, that's, we can still love the alcoholic and still preach against alcohol. We can preach against drugs and still love the drug addict. And we can preach against homosexuality and love the homosexual that's in that lifestyle. We don't have to accept their lifestyle to love them. We need to love them enough to not accept the sin, but tell them that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And all of us need God's mercy and God's grace. And we love you enough to let you know. Because I am unapologetically apostolic. When I say apostolic, let me be clear about what I'm talking about. When I say apostolic, I am preaching that we are walking in the apostles' doctrine. This would be a good sermon not to get distracted in this morning. Ushers, help me with the in and out. This would be a good message to not get distracted on. We are not embarrassed of the Word of God. We're gonna stand on the Word of God. We're gonna be judged by the Word of God. We need to love people with the Word of God. When I say apostolic, I mean what the apostles preached. We're Pentecostal by our experience because what we experienced at salvation happened on the day of Pentecost, but we are apostolic in our doctrine and apostolic in our lifestyle. This isn't a United Pentecostal Church organization doctrine. This is a Bible doctrine. It's being apostolic. We're preaching what the apostles preached. We're not preaching what the Catholic Church started. We're not preaching what the Reformation started. We're preaching what the apostles started 2,000 years ago. What we preach now is what they preached then. Unfiltered, unwatered down, unadulterated. It is the truth of God's word. And I am unapologetically apostolic. I want to be clear what apostolic means. That means if the apostles were to walk into this room right now, they would be shouting amen to what's being preached in our church. We still preach salvation like they preached it. We still believe it the way they believed it. Say, well, that's archaic thinking. We got to modernize it. No, 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 no. The methods can change, but this message can never change. We live in an in-your-face society. We live in an in-your-face society. They're bold about it. They'll get in your face about it. Matter of fact, they're so bold, they won't just get in your face, they get in your children's faces. And they want in your children's bedroom. Multiple pride marches this month have been recorded. For all of you, that are watching online that say, you're hyping this up, that's not what the pride movement's about. You've got your head so far in the sand, you're just inches from finding oil. They were marching in San Francisco and New York, chanting, we're here, we're queer, and we're coming for your children. Stripping down nude in Central Park, playing in the fountains with little children they told us they're coming for our children you want to lay down and try to hold hands and be friend with that or say I'm going to stand on the word of God I'm unapologetically apostolic I'm a Christian to my core I believe this with everything in me this isn't what I do on Sundays this is who I am We live in an in-your-face society. It's not good enough to be what you want to be, but there's an unwarranted need to prove that, that they are defiant of all others. From Lizzo to Madonna, from the White House to the schoolhouse. From politicians to demonic Christian pastors who won't stand for truth and accept homosexuality and rebellion are being flaunted as the ultimate displays of independence and of individuality. The church needs to be separate from that. If you don't like it, deal with it, is what they scream at us. If you think it's wrong, keep your opinion to yourself, they tell us. Now, I'm not a proponent of that attitude of getting in people's faces and being defiant. I don't think that's proper of being a Christian. But I tell you what I do think is proper. It's time to stop being intimidated by what the world thinks of us. We need to refuse to be intimidated by what this world thinks of the church. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I, I, we ought not ask the opinion, what does the world think about our church? We need to ask God, what do you think about the church? Remember the lame man at the gate, beautiful in Acts 3, and Peter walks up to him and says, such as I have give I unto thee. Amen. That was the bold decree from Peter. You see Peter began, really began his life after Pentecost. He was apostolic without apology. He did not ask anyone's permission to be apostolic. He just walked in what Jesus taught them to walk in. Peter and John were arrested for preaching the gospel and teaching the people about Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. They threw them into jail but the word of god does not return unto him void because of their bold decree. About 5,000 men were saved as a result of their preaching that day. I want to tell you it's time in Woodland that we are unapologetically apostolic. The world is not looking for a watered down version of truth. People that want truth are looking for it. I want the truth whether it hurts or not. I want the truth whether it makes me feel good or not. There's days truth is going to make me feel good. There's days that truth is going to rub me the wrong way. But guess what? I'm apostolic. That's who I am. I've been born again. I've been had my sins washed away. I'm standing on the word of God, and I am unapologetically apostolic. Amen. It's time. Amen. It's time that we put up a, a, a Holy Ghost pride. I know pr- we, we you know pride go before destruction. I'm not talking about this pride they're using with the Skittle flag. I'm talking about having the Bible said, I boast only in the Lord. We need to have that boasting in the Lord type attitude. No, I'm not like this world. No, I don't do what the world does. I don't talk like the world. I'm not entertained by the world. I don't look like the world. I don't act like the world. I'm on unapologetically apostolic and I'm glad that I am I'm glad that I found the way I'm glad I found the truth I'm glad I found life everlasting somebody shout unapologetically apostolic the next day John and Peter were brought before the council of the Sanhedrin to be questioned and then be reprimanded There in their presence, Peter answered the question from the religious leaders. How did you heal this man? And the Bible says that Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost and began to preach to them we don't need to answer these questions of society by being timid and ashamed we don't need to answer the question of the spirit of the age by being ashamed of who we are and being silent on the issues if we're filled with the Holy Ghost there's going to be a boldness in us that stands up and says for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. Peter preached to them filled with the Holy Ghost. In other words, he stood up to them. He was willing to be as bold to them as they were to him. Did you catch that? He was willing to be as bold to them as they were to him. Let me let me tell you something, First Church. If they are bold enough to put it in our schools, if they are bold enough to put it on the clothing rack at Target, if they're bold enough to march it in the streets, then we need to answer fire with fire. We need to answer fire with fire. We need to look at them and say, if you can live it out loud, I'm gonna live it out loud. We need to declare to them, I'm not ashamed like you're not ashamed. You're unashamed of things you should be ashamed of. We're not ashamed of things that we should boast in. I'm glad I'm living for God. I'm glad I'm separate from the world. He preached to them. Full of the Holy Ghost he preached to them. In Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 10, the Bible said, Peter, declare, be it known unto all of you and all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no another name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved He didn't back down. He didn't go check Wikipedia to see if this was an approved opinion. He preached to them the truth of God's word. He preached it to them boldly. Listen to me. And he preached it while he was in handcuffs. He didn't back down. He didn't go run in the corner. He didn't say, let me go check with pastor. Let me make sure this is okay. He just preached the truth of God's word and he preached it with boldness. And then I want you to see what happened next. You got to look at what happened next. This is the cool part. The Bible said when they saw the boldness of Peter, the Bible said instantly they knew that Peter had been with Jesus. People need to know that you've been with Jesus. Not because you've got a first church sticker on your car or a first church sticker on your key ring. They need to see you live boldly. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. When they celebrate a perverted lifestyle, you don't need to be there celebrating it. Well, pastor, I don't want to offend them. It's not about offending. It's about the appearance of acceptance. We need some Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's who don't bow their knee to this mess. I can't believe I can't believe pastors preaching like this. we'll believe it, honey and I'm going to preach it tougher than a two dollar steak we're not backing down from this we're not back I'm going to preach it until I feel a hundred percent unanimous. oh I believe what you're saying pastor. And I don't believe it because you're saying it. I believe it because the Word of God said it. And you're just echoing what was already said. The Bible said when they saw the boldness of Peter, amen, they they knew that he had been with Jesus. And they talked amongst themselves and said these are ignorant and unlearned men but see we are so afraid of people thinking that we're ignorant we're so afraid of people thinking that we're not hip or that we're not cool or that, that we're not with the flow that we're not in this millennium that we're too archaic in our thinking we're too backward in our doctrine but we need to be like Peter and John you're absolutely right if your, modern, your measure of modernness if your measure of acceptance is sin then I'm not up to that standard I'll be ignorant and as unlearned as you want me to be but I'm going to stand on the word of God and I am unapologetically apostolic I'm not giving in to the spirit of the age. I'm not going to lay my children upon the altar of pride and perversion. I'm going to take a stand and say I've been born again of water and of spirit and I still believe the word of God. I want you to know something. There's, there's something powerful about being with Jesus. When you've been with Jesus, people will know you've been with Jesus. You don't got to tell them I'm saved. They'll know something's different about you. They saw the boldness of Peter and John and they knew that they had been with Jesus. There's something powerful about being with Jesus because when you are like him, people take notice of it. Even Simon Peter in a backslid condition when a little girl said, I know you. You've been with him and Simon Peter started cussing and saying, no, I haven't been with him. I want to tell you something. Even when you backslide, everybody's going to know there's something different about you. You're not like everybody else. There's something different about you. You want to know why? Because once you have come in contact with Jesus, once you've been born again of the water and of the Spirit, there is nothing else that will ever be able to satisfy your thirsty soul. You can backslide. You can walk away from God. But you will know and everybody else will know. You'll be marked because he's marked you. You'll never be satisfied again. Hallelujah! because when you've been with Jesus you start becoming apostolic without apology and I know what some of you are thinking well pastor you're saying apostolic and not Christian we'll get to that later but first we gotta, we gotta delineate ourselves between those that call themselves Christian between those that call themselves Christian and they go to pride events to support it Not everything that says they're Christian is Christian. Oh, I'm Christian because Christ means to be a fo- Christian means to be a follower of Christ. I am following Him. They're following the Antichrist. So what they are is anti Christians. We're true Christians. We follow Christ. But I'm saying apostolic because I am identifying that unique characteristic between us and every other so-called church in this city, in this county, in this state, in this nation. We do more than just have the Bible. We preach the Bible. We believe the Bible. And to the best of our ability, we live the Bible. Somebody shout unapologetically apostolic. Amen. Praise God. I'm not going to qualify everything I say, but I know there's people saying, my God, Pastor, there's better ways uh, to preach this. It it sounds so harsh and it sounds so mean. Uh, No, that's, that's because you're listening to the world. And as a matter of fact, if you believed the Bible like they believed in their perversion, you'd be saying, Pastor, you're not preaching it hard enough. Jesus said, for the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the wimps take it by force. The quiet take it by force. The lukewarm take it by force. So the violent take it, but it's not a call to violence. What Jesus was saying was, if the kingdom of heaven's going to advance, you gotta be willing to meet their passion with greater passion. I said, we gotta be willing to meet their passion with greater passion. Theirs is a perverted passion. Ours is a puristic, Bible-believing passion. Isn't it amazing? They could get on Facebook right now and say in 45 minutes we're going to have a pride march in downtown Woodland. They'd have a thousand people show up. But if the pastor says we're going to have prayer meeting tonight, you might get five people to show up. You see, they're more convinced of perversion being true than we are the truth being true. I don't know if you caught that or not. They're more convinced that their perversion is true than we are the truth being true. If we've got the truth and we do, we ought to be unapologetic about it. We ought to say, I believe this. I am this. I'm a part of this. And it's a part of me. I am unapologetically apostolic. You see, if you're unapologetically apostolic, you don't have to tell anybody you're sorry for your lifestyle. I haven't heard one of them apologize for what they're doing to our children. I'm trying trying my best to tone this down and keep it as PG as I can just to explain to you what's happening in these pride marches. But the sexual acts they simulate and perform in front of little children And they don't apologize for it. As a matter of fact, if you call them out for it like I am now, I can already hear it. That's homophobic. That's racist. That's bigoted. That's everything. You know what? It don't hurt me. I could give a flying rip on a tater chip what you think. Because the only people that's ever called me racist were not minorities. It was always... Well, I better be careful. And if if you're... If you're... definition of that is someone who disagrees with me, then you don't understand it. See, we're unapologetically apostolic. And you better, you better, you better get used to that. I'm going to tell you something. Wimpy saints ain't going to survive the warfare we're in. Are you still going to show up to worship if they start picketing this church and surrounding it? Or would you pull up and go, oh, I don't want want my family to see that. I'm going to go home, coward. If they stand out here and pick it with their perverted signs, good chance they would because I don't know any other pastor in this city preaching it like this. I'm not inviting it, not at all. But what I'm saying is if they do that, are you going to turn around and go home and say, oh, I don't want to get involved in this? You want to honk the horn and say, get your perverted hind end out of the way. I've got to go worship. You see, this is where it gets real. This is where it gets real. This is where, this is where the, the metal meets the bone is right here. When people can shout about it when there's no opposition. But would you be unashamed enough to show up if they stood here and were chanting against us? But we want to be approved. I want to be approved by God. Not the world. And you say, I, I, because I can hear it right now. They say, Pastor, you're taking it too far. That's never going to happen. Yeah, you didn't think they would ban having church three years ago either. Five years ago, you didn't think they'd be doing what they're doing right now to our children. There could be a day when they step in and they try to stop this with protest or or the state tries to revoke a nonprofit status and they try to do all kinds of. Are we going to be able to stand up and be unapologetically apostolic? Or are we going to lay down and say, I don't want the heat? Now I can't help what other churches are preaching or not preaching, but I'm going to preach that we are not backing down from the truth of God's word. If you are unapologetically apostolic, you don't got to apologize to anybody for what you believe or who you are. You do not have to try to excuse your behavior. You do not try to have to try to qualify your beliefs. You're simply a Holy Ghost filled believer through and through. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. You've been born again. You're in the kingdom of God. And this world's opinion of you and of God's church doesn't matter. You hold on and say, "I'm a believer." I'm unapologetically apostolic. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. There's life in this gospel. That council, the religious council, tried to come up with a way that they were going to stop them from preaching the gospel. Someone came up with the bright idea that they're going to threaten them. They said, let's threaten them with their lives so that from this day forward, they will not speak about that name. Amen. I want you to know that the devil hates you the most when you begin to share your faith with other people, when you begin to speak to other people about the name of Jesus. That's what the enemy really hates. It causes him to tremble and fear. When you boldly stand up and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't be ashamed to declare that you are apostolic. Don't be ashamed to declare that you still believe the word of God is right and the word of God is true. You see the Sanhedrin council made their greatest mistake when they threatened the church and they said they were going to wipe them out because it didn't cause them to go underground. It caused them to go on the rooftops and preach it with boldness. That's what we need to do in 2023. We need to live it out loud. We need to live it with boldness. We need to live it with courage. Oh, hallelujah. Acts 4 and 19 through 20 says this. He, I read in your text but Peter and John answered and said unto them whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God judge ye for we cannot speak the things which we have seen we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Another translation said it like this. They said we can't stop talking about the things that we saw and that we heard and seen Jesus do. Why? Because once you have been changed by the power of Jesus name once your life has been turned around there is no other power there is no other influence there is no other lifestyle and there is no other name that can do the same when you have felt the ultimate peace of God in your life man's attempt to frighten you will fall way short because you have experienced Jesus for yourself he's not a mythological figure he is not some other person in the history books but you have experienced Jesus for yourself during the desert storm the war of desert storm one of America's greatest weapons was revealed it was called the Patriot Missile how many remember the Patriot Missile I remember when they were talking about that it was different from the tomahawk and the howitzers amen they were used for offensive strikes it was a defensive weapon when the Iraqi armies launched their dreaded Scud missiles. The Patriot missiles, batteries of Patriot missiles uh, would track those Scud missiles in midair and destroy them. Amen. Before it would come in contact with their intended target. It was an awesome display of man's technology and power. The Patriot missile uh, derived its name very uniquely from any other offensive or defensive weapon of that era. Amen. You see, when they designed it, the men and women that manufactured it were given a unique opportunity to name the missile itself and rather than name it after some great leader or historical figure they come up with an acronym for the word Patriot proud Americans taking responsibility in our time that's what Patriot stands for proud Americans taking responsibility in our time I believe that it's time for the Prince and the power of the air to feel the effects of some patriots in woodland. I said, I think it's time for the prince and the power of the air to feel the effects of some patriots in first church. And I'm changing the acronym, amen, from patriotic or proud Americans taking responsibility in our time. And I'm changing it to prayerful apostolics taking responsibility in our time. It's time that we launch some patriot missiles ourselves. It's time that we get full of the Holy Ghost and launch an offensive, not defensive, but offensive. It's time that we get bold in the spirit and live it out loud, unapologetically. Hallelujah. Amen. Yesterday morning I was on the first flight and I was going through some of these notes and and was doing some research on the Patriot missile and on the, uh, the fact that it was designed to not be merely defensive but offensive. And I began to set in that plane at 37,000 feet and I begin to wonder in my mind what would happen if the saints of the Most High God got that same kind of mentality and said, we're not gonna wait until Satan launches scud missiles or scum missiles or sin missiles and they hit our homes before we react. But what if we built a shield of prayer? What if we built a shield of worship and a lifestyle of being apostolic that we said that we are for apostolics amen that we are going to combat every launch of attack that the enemy has set against the church Satan's going to do what he does to try and hinder the church but the true saints of God ought to do what we can do When Jesus said it, he meant it. When Jesus declared it, he meant it. When he said, upon this rock, I will build my church, uh, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Uh, That wasn't a suggestion. uh, That wasn't a performance. uh, That wasn't a good little cute speech. Uh, He meant it. That the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. Uh, You know what it's time for his church to do? It's time for us to stand up and be counted and said, I'm unapologetically unashamedly, unabashedly apostolic. That's who I am. Satan was designed to attack the church. But we've been empowered with the Holy Ghost to repel the attack of Satan and to advance the church. There's some apostolics they are not going to take their responsibility. But I believe we are. You want to know why? Because I believe there's a remnant of God's church that refuses to be intimidated. You can call us crazy. You can call us out of style. You can call us old fashioned, archaic. You can call us primitive, backwards thinking, fundamentalist if you want to. But I'm going to tell you what Jesus calls us. Jesus calls us his bride. He calls us his church upon which he's going to build on the rock that shall not be defeated your neighbor and say I am unapologetically apostolic I refuse to apologize for my belief in one God you, oh you thought I was done? No I got more to go I, I, I'm i I'm, I'm tired of some of you stressing out when I preach more than 25 minutes, go, go home to Netflix 30 minute preaching makes you nervous, you're not even saved that's a bold statement, Pastor. Yeah, because the Bible said if you're spiritual, you do mind the things of the spirit. But you, if you are carnal, you mind the things of the flesh. I know the latest church growth seminar says don't preach about the blood. Don't preach about controversial issues. Don't preach about sacrifice and commitment. Just give them 15 minutes of feel good. I'm not preaching to a a group. I'm preaching to the church of the most high God. And God's people say preach it, preach it. I refuse to apologize in my belief for one God. I'm not ashamed that we believe in one God. I'm not embarrassed that we don't embrace the Trinity. Not ashamed of it. Not ashamed that we don't embrace the Catholic doctrine of a triune Godhead, of God in three persons. No, we still preach what the apostles preached, to wit that God was in Christ the apostles preached he Christ is the image of the invisible God the apostles preached the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in Christ bodily the apostles preached and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness God was manifest in the flesh this is what the apostles preached because the apostles got it from Jesus who first Jesus gave it to Abraham to Isaac Jacob and Moses and that's where Moses wrote hear o Israel the Lord our God God is one Lord. So we're standing on the first doctrine of the Bible that there's one God. This isn't a new doctrine. It's the most established doctrine in the Bible. There is one God. I refuse. Listen, I refuse to be intimidated about the Acts 2.38 message of salvation. I refuse to be unashamed, uh, to be ashamed uh, of the Acts 2.38 message uh, of being born again of the water and of the spirit. You see the apostles preached it because they got it from Jesus and Jesus preached it because he established it in Israel all the way back at the Red Sea. Paul said they were baptized in the cloud. That is spirit And in the sea, that is water. We preach the original doctrine. Let me reiterate tongues are not of the devil. They're a sign both for the unbeliever and they are the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit filling the life of a person. I'm unapologetically apostolic. There's no other salvation, there's no other message that is acceptable under heaven for salvation, than that which was first delivered to the saints is what Jude said. Not gonna be intimidated out of preaching. Hebrews 12 and 14. Holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Not gonna be embarrassed to preach that. Not gonna be embarrassed to preach be ye holy, for I as the Lord your God am holy. I'm not going to be, we're not going to be ashamed. We're not going to be guilted out of preaching what the apostles established. Come out from among them and be a separate, saith the Lord. But pastor, you may say, that was the Old Testament doctrine. We're in the New Testament now. Well, see, your problem is all of the aforementioned scriptures that I just quoted, they came from the apostles in the New Testament. And the apostles got their doctrine from Jesus, who Jesus, in times of old, established that doctrine in Israel, Separation has always been the doctrine of God's people. Are are you hearing what I'm saying? God established separation before there was even an Israel. He established it in the Garden of Eden. In Eden, God established separation. He said, you can have anything, just separate yourself from that tree. I don't want you to be confused what kind of church you're in. He established separation in the garden. He said, you have anything you want, but you separate from that tree. He told Adam, don't you eat of that tree. Eve comes along and Adam took it one step further. He said, God don't want you touching that tree. Well, that's not what God said. God told Adam, don't eat it. But Adam, being smart enough, he realized you can't eat it without touching it. You see, some of you want the church to redraw our lines of separation. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Oh, well, pastor, just let us handle the fruit. We won't eat it. The problem was it's too dangerous to touch. If God don't want me eating it, I don't need to be touching it. That's where the doctrine of separation began. This is still an apostolic church. We're not holiness on Sundays only. We're we're, we're holiness every day we live. We live separate, not just because the Old Testament said, we live separate because that's what the apostles taught, the early church, and who am I to come along and redraw the lines that God established in the church? Somebody hear me right now. If holiness was right then, holiness is right now. God's people has always been a holy people. As a matter of fact, the chief identifier, the mark of demarcation of God's people throughout time and memorial has been that his people are a separate people. They are a holy people. You say, Pastor, you do that and the the church is going to shrink. No, the church won't shrink. The church will grow. Well, Well, people might leave. Well, the people left, not the church. I don't believe it's going to happen like this, but I'd rather pastor 20 people that are saved than 500 that are just hanging on through the weekend. Well, back down. We're unapologetically apostolic. Well, my friends who go to this other church think we're weird because of that. Well, you need to share with them what the faith is. Ask them why things that their own denomination preached against 60 years ago are now okay. When did God change his mind? A lot of Pentecostal denominations have dropped their holiness in the last 20 years. We, we don't need to tell them and try to prove to them why we still believe what they once believed. You need to tell me why you stop believing what God pre- said. Because I'm unapologetically apostolic. I'm going to go to heaven talking like an apostolic, walking like an apostolic. And baby, by the grace of God, we're going to get to heaven dressing like apostolics. You say, well, I, I, I don't know if I'm convinced. It's in the Bible. It's not my job to convince you. It's my job to preach it. You've got to decide for yourself. But God's people have always been a holy people. As a matter of fact, every time that Israel went into captivity it's when they left their holiness and their separation. And God said, you have now profaned me. If you want to look like the heathen, I'll make you slaves to the heathen. You aren't shouting with me yet, but I'm going to keep preaching it. He said, if you want to look like Babylonians, I'll let you be slaves to the Babylonians. You want to act and worship like Philistines, I'll let them take you as their slaves. Then all of a sudden there were Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego's, there were Daniel's, there were Nehemiah's that rose up in the time of captivity and they said we're sick of our, we know our grandparents backslid from this truth but we want the truth. Send me back to Jerusalem. I'll build up the broken down walls. I'll restore the temple. Hey, God's going to raise up a generation that wants it. God's raising up a generation that thirsts for it. That God's raising up a people that says pastor you can't preach it to hard for me. Just preach me the truth because I want to be apostolic. Now, I really am trying to hurry, but but the church has lost her influence in America. Because the church started trying to be like the world. We live in a Twitter Instagram Snapchat world. Here's you a little Snapchat tweet to hold on to. The church lost its influence with America because the church first lost their influence with God. Let me say that slower. The church lost their influence in this nation because we lost our influence of God. And the church couldn't handle success because as long as we were broke as Job's turkey and as long as we were riding in wagons pulled behind mules going to brush arbors, we could live it. But all of a sudden, God started moving some people to the top of the line and the top of the food chain and, the top of, and all of a sudden their success started going to their head. Well, I'm not necessarily living what the parents preached. I'm not necessarily living what they taught 50 years ago, but i sure I'm being blessed. God must be happy with it. Certain, certainly God's not against it or I wouldn't be blessed. See, you fail to realize you never measure God's acceptance by blessing. That is the gravest mistake you can make is to judge, well, I'm anointed I want you to feel real special about that and remember that God anointed a donkey to talk and a rooster to crow. This all right? Well, I didn't live it and I was still anointed. You're walking in grace. Oh, it's tight, but it's right. Let me tell you why you're anointed. Not because God favored and accepted what you did. You're anointed because you stood in a place of service and God loved his people enough that he would anoint a donkey. I'm about to put this mic down and amen myself real loud. God didn't anoint you because he approved of your life. He anointed you because his people needed to be fed. And people mess up and think, well, God used me. I felt the Holy Ghost. I spoke in tongues. I ran. I danced. I did this. I did that. And God used me. And I felt the Spirit of God. That God somehow sanctioned everything that happened before that moment. No. He loves his people enough that he would bypass Balaam and speak through his donkey. That's how much. As a matter of fact, the Bible said it is the goodness of God that leadeth men to repent. See, you got one of two choices: either God's goodness can lead you to repent, or God's vengeance can crush you to repentance. It's one of two things. Fall upon the rock and be broken, or the rock fall upon us and be crushed. That's the two choices we have. Amen. Praise God. I said, man, pastors worked up. Man, this was every Sunday when I was growing up. We need more of this. Because it's Bible preaching. Thank God for all of you watching online. If you're watching online and say, man, I go to Pentecostal church for 20 years and I never heard my preacher preach that. That's the problem. You're going to Pentecostal church and you find an apostolic church. You got a church that is stuck in the experience and has not yet got into the doctrine. Amen. Hey Amen. You take a boat and boat me out after this if you want to, but I'm going to stand on the truth. Are you embattled by peer pressure? You wanna know why? Because they're intimidated by the stances you take. If you're in the middle of the road, you're going to hit get hit with traffic going both directions. But if you take a stand on one side or the other, at least you know which direction you're headed. I'm going to tell you, I'm apostolic regardless of peer pressure. It doesn't matter what the world thinks of me. I'm apostolic. That's who I am. That's not what I do. Church is not what I do on Sundays. It's who I am on Friday. Amen. I refuse to let anybody inside or outside the church dictate what is acceptable or not acceptable in the house of God. We're only going to let the word dictate what's acceptable in the house of God. Let me take it a step further. I'm not going to let the world determine for me what is acceptable worship unto God or not. I'm not going to let the world tell me that dancing is just a little bit too much or clapping and saying amen with the preacher is a little too rowdy. We shouldn't do that. We ought to be more calm. Mm -mm. We're apostolic in identity. We're apostolic in doctrine. And we are apostolic in worship. That means we worship with all our heart, soul, might, and strength. We don't come to play church. We come to be church. We worship with everything that we... That's why you're looking at your pastor all sweaty this morning. It's because I'm giving it everything I've got. I'm going to lay it on the line because we're apostolic in everything we are. That's why we dance with the music. We don't have choreographed flag teams. We come up in worship under the inspiration and the direction of the Holy Ghost. Nobody had to teach me how to worship. The Holy Spirit initiated in me a gratitude and a gratefulness. Why are we the only church that runs aisles? I don't know. Go ask them. But our Bible says we can. And so we do run the aisles. And we're not ashamed to be aisle running, pew jumping, tongue talking, dancing, apostolic Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Man, we get, we get first time, go- you can go to the music. Hey, we get first time visitors in here and people start running the aisles and their eyes start bugging out of their head. I'm not embarrassed by that. I'm looking on. going, I wish 10 more would do that. We get visitors in here and some of you start dancing and running the aisles and worshiping and these guests, their eyes are getting that big. They're not thinking that something's wrong with you. They're thinking, man, I wish they had whatever. I had whatever they had. That would make me want to do that. That would make me want to act like that. You know why we worship God like that? It's because we're apostolic through and through. For the Father seeketh such to worship him in spirit and in truth. Some people can worship in spirit. That's all a lot of churches got, spirit. But the Father was looking for those to worship him in spirit and in truth. Don't you be ashamed for dancing. Don't you get embarrassed for dancing. When you get your friends or your relatives in this church on a Sunday or a Tuesday or whatever it is and the Holy Ghost starts moving, don't you sit back and try that like the Baptist or the Methodist. You be apostolic to your bone. You step out in the aisle and dance. You start running. We're not ashamed of who We are unashamedly, unapologetically, unabashedly apostolic. That's not what, that's not what we do. It's who we are. ladies don't be ashamed for looking apostolic and dressing apostolic men don't be ashamed for dressing apostolic and talking apostolic and living apostolic you be thankful that god hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light i've been born again of the water and of the spirit and i'm not ashamed that i'm apostolic saw a clip Amen, and and they, thank God they had it blurred out. The whole image was almost blurred out. I'm gonna tell you they had this clip a few weeks ago, of the Pride March in San Francisco. It's absolutely disgusting. They had they had a man that was strapped to a cross and all kinds of uh, sexual bondage material, and they were they were whipping him with a cat of nine tails, so to speak. And there was all kinds of perversion and, and subjective uh, of things going on. I think you can read between the lines. Amen. And there were hundreds of of little children watching as that vehicle went by as they were mocking our Christ and mocking Christianity. They cheered. The little children giggled with glee as that vehicle walked by. Did you see what happened at Dodger Stadium last week when, hey, they, they, they mocked Christianity and they, they tried to make fun of it. I thought to myself, I wonder what would happen if the church would just turn the tables on that and say, if you are not ashamed to act like that in public I'm not ashamed to be like this in public God has never had a people that were ashamed to be his people his people have always been unapologetically apostolic hallelujah oh I feel the Holy Ghost this morning If they can live it out loud, we can live it out loud. Hallelujah. If they can live it like that with boldness, we need to live it like this with boldness. If they can declare their freedom in that, I can declare my freedom in the church. We used to sing songs about not being ashamed. We used to sing, I'm a one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, holy, rolling, heaven-bound believer, liberated in the power of Jesus' name, being washed by the blood, sanctified by the Spirit. I believe in holiness, I suggest you do the same. I was saved one night on my knees at a Pentecostal altar, and I'm not ashamed to be a one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, holy, rolling, born again, heaven-bound believer, in the liberated power of Jesus' name. We were rapping before rap was cool. Drop a beat to it. I'm a one God, episode of talking to the Holy born again in heaven, I'm believer in the liberating power of Jesus' name. I've been washed by the blood, sanctified by the spirit. I believe in the Holy Jesus, yes, you do the same. I was set free on my knees at a Pentecostal night, and I'm not ashamed to be your one God, episode of time, talking the Holy born again in heaven, I'm believer in the liberating power of Jesus' name. That's our theme. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what God's wanting in His church? Boldness. That apostolic boldness that the church was born with. I'm not afraid of the lions. I'm not afraid of the torture of the colosseums. I'm not afraid of being pulled apart, sawn asunder, buried alive in caves. I am a child of the Most High God. And it's who I am. It's not what I do. It's in my genetics, if you would. It's in my spiritual DNA. Amen, my physical DNA may have said alcoholic and a propensity to addiction, but my spiritual DNA, when I was born again, I got a new father and I got a new mother, and my spiritual DNA says, be ye holy, even as I am holy. My spiritual DNA says, worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, My spiritual DNA says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. My spiritual DNA says, I am unapologetically apostolic. Oh, you ought to put a smile on your face this morning and shout, I am unapologetically apostolic. Come on, turn around and high five somebody and tell them, I am unapologetically apostolic. We don't worship like everybody else because we don't serve the same Jesus everybody else serves. We don't have church like them because we don't serve the same God as them. We serve the one true living God who has filled us with his spirit and washed us in his blood. And so when we hear the songs of Zion being worshiped, we come together and we worship him in the beauty of holiness. For God beautifies the meek, and God blesses those who are humble. And so we come in and we worship in his presence. We worship in the dance. We worship in the shout. We worship in clapping. We worship speaking in tongues. worship we worship with everything we have because we're apostolic come on if you're not ashamed to be apostolic i want you to come to this altar right now i want you to be filled with the boldness of god i'm praying for an Acts chapter 4 boldness get a hold of god's church like never before that we're not ashamed to be the children of the Most High God. God baptize us with the same boldness that the early church had. God baptize us with the same fire that the early church had, hallelujah. Oh, for Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. Uh, John said, I baptize you with water, but Jesus is coming, and he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Ghost. that I'm apostolic, I'm glad I'm saved, and I'm on my way to heaven. Now listen, I learned, I learned a long time ago when I was a kid, I got my my pant leg into a fire one time, and we thought we were being cool and kicking over the logs that were on fire. And Brother Dave, we could kick them logs. Well, I didn't realize, I, I didn't think that my pants had been ripped across the bottom and had all those fringes on them. And so when I stuck my, my foot in there with my boots to kick over the log and show everybody how tough I was, that britch's leg caught on fire. And thank God I didn't get severely burned, but I'm gonna tell you something. I wasn't worried about being cool anymore. I wasn't worried about impressing Dustin and Eugene and everybody else that was around there, how tough I was, I'd kick a log that's on fire. When My leg got on fire. I started kicking my leg. I got on the ground and started rolling around and hooping and hollering. And finally it got put out in just a few seconds. Thank God it didn't do anything but singe what little hair I had on my leg. And my leg was smoking. My britches leg was smoking. But I learned a very valuable lesson then. When the fire gets a hold of you, you're going to act in ways you wouldn't normally act. When the fire gets a hold of you, you'll do things you wouldn't normally do. When the fire gets a hold of you, amen, you'll turn every which way. Let me tell you something. When the fire gets a hold of you, you'll do more than that and do more than that. But when the fire of the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you, you won't be ashamed to run. You won't be ashamed to dance. You won't be ashamed to we need the fire of the apostolic church to be reignited i wonder if we got any fire baptized apostolic believers this morning do we got anybody that's not ashamed to dance before the Lord to worship him in spirit